your go-to girls, Jill Vanek and Lauren Sherwin. Flip the script and give you a weekly dose of career advice, banter, and the insider office gossip. You have all heard the phrase, your go-to guy. We are Are your your go-to girls. Welcome to the Go-To Girls podcast. Jill and Lauren are here. Hello, hello. I'm fangirling by looking at the screen right now I who's mean, on our Zoom call. We have the one and only Christy Aletto, ABC Action News reporter with us today, live and in full effect. We're excited. And we're all matching. Yeah, we're, yeah, all, we're all in black. black. We're all in black, matching, getting ready for our work, afternoon workouts. I we're just mean, living our best life on a Saturday. It's like First we of all, planned it. Black is my happy color. So oh, same. I mean, one thousand percent. Me being super happy. I I like to say that I'm Daria by nature and Bubbles by circumstance. <laughs> oh my oh. god! Do, do you remember Daria? I no. I was born in 1989. Oh, so see, am I supposed to okay. know that? Yes, Daria was on MTV. It was a whole like it's a whole thing. It's movement. a whole vibe. It's a whole yeah. Vibe. It's a whole vibe. Girl, I got you. I love the. Wait, Daria. do you guys still watch MTV? Because I'm watching the challenge right now, and I'm just loving life. I watch the Jersey Shore. I'm not gonna lie. Oh, wait, Christy, do you I don't watch have MTV? time to watch anything? No. I literally don't have time to watch anything. Christy's like, I'm a professional. Get your life together. She's like, I have a career and a big time like job and a life and a sidekick. Like, what are you guys doing? We're watching MTV The Challenge on our. Friday I nights. love it so much. So before we get hot and heavy with Christy, I do want to give a little bit of an intro. Number one, Christy blows me away every time I see her, which is usually at solid core, she is, she makes things look so easy. It's insane. I'm afraid to go to solid core. Like this chick oh my God, playing for totally like 10 come. minutes. Wait, I'm a Christy. I'm so nervous to go. Cause I see like, Oh my God. Jill does her like thing where she's like plank hold one, two, three, plank four, five. And I'm like, I can't even plank for five. Like I'm not going to solid core to listen to Jill listen, do this to me. You can use my buddy pass. It's totally fine. I mean, the first time I did solid core, I was like, what the just happened to me? Right? What did I eat it's the a night blur. before? Yeah. It's so humbling. And then you're like, oh my God, I'm in so much pain. I want to come back more. Yes. Are you, on so this, are you on the machine the whole time? Yes. Yeah. 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 So you're never, that machine, you are one with that machine. You are one yeah. with Svetlana. I am not going to that machine. No. <laughs> I'm petrified of that. We're going to make her a convert. Christy, but- I fell off the treadmill at Orange Theory Fitness and literally hit the rollers behind <laughs> me. So I don't know if I'm ready. Oh, I've had that happen to me before. Thank you. Oh my God. I literally, wait, when I was working in Albuquerque, New Mexico, I remember getting on a treadmill. I don't know what was going on with my mind, but it was already running. And I like stepped on it. <laughs> Went right back. So it was like an all out run, Christy. And I was like, all right, I got this. I'm going to do it. I hit it. But I was like, same thing. Like I was like in 10 different places, like thinking about stuff. And all of a sudden I hit the side thing and fell back. But I told the people at the front desk, that I think I was a little like lightheaded. That's why I fell off. Cause I was like, I cannot well, tell it's them. It's embarrassing. Yeah. Being it's like, hard, I just yeah. fell off. In a class of like 30 people. Right. It's horrifying. Right. It's, it's horrifying. Yeah. It's- I so no you. solid core for me. All right, but Christy's rocking it. It's We're gonna board. make her a convert. But not only do I know Christy through solid core, we all, you all know her on your TV screen. She is a part of the six ABC Action News team, which she joined in the fall of 2015. Also, let's discuss that she's an AP and Emmy award winning journalist. This girl has an Emmy. Okay, oh, I'm man. sorry. Like, excuse me. That's a big deal. I would carry it around with me in my purse. Where just is, telling you Where that. is it, Christy, in your house? So the box is actually being used for a humidifier for my daughter's bedroom. 
Like this is how cool she is. She's like, no big deal. No big deal. Miami box is a humidifier holder. That's how we're, that's I mean, how legit we are. This is who we're talking about. So before Christy got to Philadelphia, she was a reporter in so many different markets, which we will absolutely discuss. So she worked for WJZ TV in Baltimore, Maryland. She was one of the first journalists to extensively cover the arrest of Freddie Gray. And I'm sure you all remember this, but at the time he was a 25 year old who died from spinal injuries in the back of the police car in police custody. It was a huge huge story. She was on the ground moments before riots broke out following his funeral. And that's um, where she won the Emmy in terms of best live reporting coverage during that time. Um, She has also worked in WAFF in Huntsville, Alabama, which girl, we need to talk about what's going on in Huntsville, Alabama is what I want to know. I mean, we need to talk (laughs) about Huntsville. Um, She was also at KOAT TV in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where she appeared on CNN for breaking weather coverage, um, which I find amazing. She's a native of the Washington DC metro area. And um, she's back on the East coast. Also guys, in terms of her education, she's the real deal. You know that by now she's a graduate of the, do I say Medill? Medill school? Yes. Medill school Medill. of journalism at Northwestern University. Oh, I mean, excuse me. And she's a member of the national association of black journalists. She lives in Philly with her husband and her sidekick who is her daughter and, sidekick. And, yeah. and her sidekick. And we are so pumped to have you on Christy, like literally fangirling since day one. Welcome Christy. Stop. Well, so I've been fangirling Jill since we did our story. I I'm had no idea Jill. she had that side hustle. It's like basically that I mean, literally should be your brand. But the side we'll hustle, talk about that later. <laughs> we will talk about it because you know, I love your input girl. And I'm telling you women supporting women, you know how much I love it. So Talk to us, Christy. I, you are a bit of a mini celebrity. And when I say mini, sort of not mini, a celebrity, not only in Philadelphia, but I think we want to delve into, tell us about your background. Did you know you always wanted to do journalism and reporting? Like, how did you get into this field? Because it's so fascinating to so many of us. So, um, growing up in DC, you know, it's like very political there. Like everybody works for the federal government, like basically like 90% of the residents, either in DC, Maryland and Northern Virginia, they all commute into the city to work for the federal government. So both of my parents were, that's my sidekick. (laughs) Sidekick is here. So mom, my, both my parents were for the federal government. Every time we would have dinner, my dad was constantly talking about politics And so I got really into that and he was always watching the news. And so we would watch Dan Rather. Mm. Remember him? Yes. On CBS. And I remember when, when I was in second grade, they asked, what's your favorite TV show? And so like my friends were like, oh, whatever cartoon, you know, whatever. And I was like, the news. And my parents were so shocked. And I was like, are you kidding me? That's all that's on in the house. And then I started interviewing my mom every day she would come home from work so my sister would hold this this camcorder okay camcorder by the way it's like not even a cell phone with a video it's Uh, a camcorder for our our (laughs) listeners who don't know what that is look it up just look it up is your sister older or younger she has to be younger. she's younger than me. okay i was gonna say because you're like sis yeah you got the camcorder yeah hold the camcorder (laughs) i've got the brush like and then my mom would come in because she was always the last person you know my dad would pick us up from school so my mom would come into work i mean from work and I'd be like, we're live in the laundry room. Mom, how was your day? And she'd be like, get that out of my face. Like, what is happening right now? <laughs> the, and I love that so much. And so you basically knew, like, when you went to Northwestern, you're like, this is what I'm going to do. Oh, yeah. I remember 
um, in high school, like my sophomore year, Googling uh, journalism schools. And Northwestern was like the first one that popped up on my yeah, search. And I had no idea what that was. So I was like, okay, cool. And so I applied. Wait, but get this. I got in and my parents didn't want me to go because it's too far away. Get out. So was that major drama? Like what changed their mind? Oh, it was major drama. So my mentor slash like godfather is Mike Bilbon from ESPN. Pardon the interruption. I was at... I um, love this. You are not even a mini celebrity. You're like a real celebrity. (laughs) I was at some Medill function. So first of all, there's like a a Northwestern, a huge Northwestern alumni. um, And then there's like what we call or what's known as the Medill Mafia. Mm-hmm. And he and Christine Brennan, who's a sports uh, writer for USA Today, who's okay. like amazing, she and Mike were doing like a talk about sports. And my other mentor who went to Northwestern, who would help me like, you know, fill out my application and do all the stuff, who's like amazing. And um, he's still alive, thank God. Um, he was like, hey, go to this event that's happening in DuPont Circle about sports. And I was like, why am I going to this? Like, I don't care about sports at all. Yeah. yeah. Then as I'm sitting there after I like fell asleep 30 minutes through like the whole thing, <laughs> I was like, oh my God, ding, ding, ding. I was like, I know exactly what this is about. I'm supposed to go here and talk to either Christine or Mike, mm-hmm. tell them I got in and tell them that they need to convince my mom to let me go in. So I walked up to Mike Wilbon and I said, hi, I'm Christy Aletto. I'm 16. I'm a senior at Holy Cross in Kensington. I just got in to Northwestern University and my parents don't want me to go. This is my mom. Yes. And he was yeah. like, that's a go-to girl. He, Love and it. And he was like, um, okay. So first of all, love Northwestern, you know, and he's like the biggest Northwestern everything. And he was like, here's my number, come to my house, blah, blah, blah. blah. Next thing I know, we're at his house. He's like sitting down with my mom, convincing her to come to Northwestern. So two months later, this was in May, two months later, July 4th, my dad drives us out to Northwestern because I never visited the school. Okay. And I'm doing a tour with him and his four, his two nieces and two nephews, which was also really embarrassing because they were a lot younger than me at the time. And I was like, oh my God, I'm walking around like my soon to be college college campus with, with a bunch of young little kids. kids. Right. Yeah, yeah. 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 Like how um, cool am every, I on my first day of school? Yeah. Right. But at the same time, it was kind of cool because everywhere we go, people were like, Oh my God, I need to get a picture. I need to get like an autograph. Right. So I was like, okay. And then, um, two of his, his two nieces like ended up being, you know, like my little sisters. So Amazing. it all worked out in the end, but that's kind of how I got in. Like I did the whole love that story. Thing. I mean, you made it happen. You were proactive. Like, this is what I'm going to do. To. This is the plan. I had to Love figure it. out, like, why? like, why is Luke, that was my mentor at the time. I was like, why does he want me to go to this? And then it, it came on. And I was like, oh, I know what I have to do. Love it. I'm and going to my it. dream school and you're going to convince my parents. <laughs> Amazing. Obsessed. Obsessed. So talk to us a little bit, Christy, because one thing I love about you, both professional, personal, that just radiates from you, you know how to hustle. You're not afraid to do it. You have been so agile in your career. And I think a lot of times people don't see that hustle or think everything looks easy over Instagram. You were in Huntsville, Albuquerque, Baltimore. Talk to us about your trajectory. And when you were in those markets, did you know that next best thing was coming? Were you like, I'm going to be in Huntsville forever? Like, how did you feel with that? Was that just part of, of the way a reporter goes? 
or a life of um, a reporter? So when I got my first job, well, first of all, I didn't have a job when I graduated from college. And I was like, oh, so anxious. And I moved home and I was like, oh my God, what am I going to do? And then I got a job in Alabama and I was like, okay, great. So my parents moved me down here and I was like, oh my God, I'm a fish out of water. Like, I don't recognize anything. Like, I don't know what these grocery stores are called, mm-hmm. like Wiggly. Like, this mm-hmm. is nothing that I had ever seen. And I was like, okay, so basically I have to do my time here and get out. And there were times where I was like, I hate being here. I'm so sad. And there were nights where I like cry myself to sleep. But then other times I was like, okay, I know what the goal here is. And the goal is to learn everything I need to learn and to bounce. And that's exactly what I did. I didn't even spend that long. I think I was there for less than two years. Mm, And I learned what I needed to learn. And I went to New Mexico. But I will say, looking back, as much as I did not enjoy the time that I was there, it was actually the most, not only professional, but personal growth. Because at the time, and then Jill, I'm sure you know this, like when you graduate from school, all your friends are in like major cities and they're all like right. out and you're checking Facebook at the time. And you're like, oh my God, they're out like living their best life. And I'm stuck where I am, like not doing anything on a Friday night. And so I would get so upset about it. But at the same time, I was like, I know I have a goal. I have a mm-hmm. mission and this is what I have to do. And so it was a lot of professional and personal growth because I learned how to be comfortable being by myself. And I'd also gotten, you know, I was post like a breakup right after college, which I was devastated about. Yeah. And I learned how to be like, okay, I'm going to be okay. Like that's on you. I'm okay. And so I learned how to be by myself. I learned how to function autonomously on my own, mm-hmm. not accept any help from my parents. And that was probably the best thing personally about being in Alabama. And then also I learned how to find common ground with people that I wouldn't normally associate myself with. Mm. And I will say that has helped me throughout my entire career because now I can find common ground with anybody. Yeah. Anyone, like anyone that I talk to, I can always find something like, okay, I can relate to that. We can talk about this. We have the same experience on, you know, on this issue. Whereas I feel like if I had not gone to Alabama, I still would have been like, I'm from DC and I went to school in Chicago and I only know anything about big cities and like diversity and this, that, and the other. And I don't have time to understand about like other things. And now I do, I can relate to things that I don't think I would have been able to relate to. Love that. I, I, it, it's so much about perspective. And I mm-hmm. think it's so amazing, those lessons that we can talk about, but until you're actually walking the walk or in that situation, you don't really you know, it doesn't, it doesn't fit. It doesn't make sense unless you're the one actually living it. It, It's so interesting. I mean, and even in this instance, right? Like I had no idea that Northern Alabama was tornado alley. Like I thought it only happened in like Kansas and Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. but it actually comes, it also comes through like Memphis, Tennessee, and then goes through like all of Northern Alabama. And I remember we were under a tornado watch. I was like, Oh my God, I've never lived through a tornado. I'm like fucking scared. What is happening? And Flash forward to three weeks ago when we had nine tornadoes touch down in Bucks County. Mm-hmm. I'm out there Ready. like I'm breaking news. And I'm like, so the first thing, and here's the thing that I think differentiates like what some people who are just trying to get the story versus like, okay, let's tell the whole perspective. My thing wasn't like, hey, what happened? It was like, hey, are you okay? Yeah, coming at it from that. And angle. that was how I got people that were actually inside the dealership at Faulkner to talk to me because the first thing that I was asking was like, Oh my God, are you all right? Right. Like right. I've lived through tornadoes before yep. and they're scary as hell. 
Yeah. And it was like, Hey, are you okay? Like, what's going on? Da, 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 da. And they're like, Oh my God, I've got class. I've got this. I've got that. And I was like, Oh my gosh, thank God you're okay. Because yeah, like tornadoes are like the finger of God. They just, you know, go wherever right, they just want to go. It's right. not like, it's not, you know, one house could be like totally intact and the other house is decimated. And I ended up talking to this kid who was inside the Mazda dealership with his mom. And when the tornado came in, he like got on top of her and covered her. And the mom yeah. was like, he saved my life. And he was telling me all about it. And his parents were there as I was talking to him because I was like, I don't want to talk to you without your parental permission. Mm-hmm. And they were like, no, it's fine. If he wants to do it, it's fine. So they you know, watched during the interview and I shot it on my cell phone. I didn't even have the camera guy come with me because I was like, listen, you're going to scare people right. with this camera. Yeah. Let me shoot this on my phone. And I'm just going to go in and do what I need to do. And I'll come out and I'll airdrop you the video. Yeah. And that's what happened. And next thing I know, like ABC World News is like, we need that interview from inside blah, blah, blah. But mm. that's always how it happens. Like that's, And the same thing with like the next day of the coverage, I went to the mobile home park that was right behind mm. the dealership that got hit too. This woman's like, oh yeah, I have video of the actual tornado on my ring cam. Or door cam. Yeah. And so we're talking. I was like, mm, would you mind sharing that? And she was like, yeah. And ABC World News is like, um, can we get the tornado video too? But that's just how it is. It's it's not about like, oh my God, what happened when you talk to me? It's, hey, are you okay? Like, talk to me about how Their you're experience. feeling. It's your experience. Because a lot of things, like I've lived through a tornado too. There are things right. that like you can relate to people that make more um, like you're a human. And not like, this is a job. Exactly. Exactly. So Chris, I have a question though about the journey because we have a lot of listeners who are coming out of college or just starting off their careers. And like you went to Northwestern, like the top program. And I would think you would come out of it and be the next Robin Roberts and you'd be in Good Morning America. And that's just how it happens, right? Like you come out of the top school, you go into the top job and then you just get to like go through this process. But what you're telling us is you're going through all these different steps to get there. How, what was that process like for you? Did you know going into that you'd have to put in the time and where is the ultimate goal for you to get to? So I know I was going to have to put in the time because, well, first of all, I was always told I look too young and my voice was too high. Interesting. Oh. Okay. So that's the feedback you got. They're like, you got to work on these things. That was always the feedback. I was like, you have to work on your voice. Your voice wow. is too high and you look way too young. So how do you even work um, on your voice? Is that like a thing? I had a voice coach. Oh my God. Okay. Okay. So and when I look back on like videos that, you know, with me and my friends, my voice was really, really high. And it, and it still is sometimes. I will say it still is sometimes when I get very excited. But I, I had to learn how to calm myself down when I was telling stories or just tracking. And that was how kind of, and just use like my diaphragm in terms of bringing my voice down. It's um, like a singer. It's so interesting. Yeah. I didn't know like you, you have to craft coach. it. Yeah. Okay. So that was the one thing that I was told for like years. And Northwestern has this program where you take, so they have quarter system instead of semesters. And you take off an entire quarter while you're, while you're still enrolled and you work in the medium that you want to pursue. So for me, that was broadcast. So I was an on-air reporter, photographer, and editor for an NBC station in Topeka, Kansas, while I was still enrolled at Northwestern. Okay. And that was how I made my tape. And that was how I got my first job. And then my first job, 
I was a reporter, photographer, and editor. So Jill, remember when Nick and I came to your place to do the interview? Well, yes. imagine it was just me. You were so you're a jack of all like trades, shooting, doing everything. I would edit and yeah. I would write and report the story. So now I don't have to do that, which I'm like great because I mean the camera was like basically as big as I was. But I used to shoot everything when I was in Alabama. I used to even shoot like high school football, which I knew nothing about. That is I had, wild. I wait. And I also thought this was so glamorized. Hustle. Oh yeah. my god, no! Talk about hustle and just like thinking out of the box. We had this intern who had graduated, and I kept in touch with him. And I said, "Hey." you know about high school football. Can you? I was like, I'm going to shoot it, but help me cut the highlights because I don't know what I'm doing and right. tell me like kind of what to say because I also don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. And so that was how it happened. I would pay him $20. He would come after I would shoot everything. He'd be like, oh, this is a highlight. This is a highlight. This is a highlight. Say this, say this, say this. That's and that amazing. was amazing. I love that so much. Like, this is the kind of stuff that you don't see. You're just like, mm -mm. Christy looks amazing. She's just reporting on the story and then she goes home and that's it. Like, this is... No. That's not And the then case. I went to New Mexico. I spent three years there um, as a reporter, fill-in anchor. And I had a photographer. So I was like, thank God I don't have to carry this camera anymore. But that was also really hard because I was so far from my parents who live in DC. And I was yeah. like, oh my God, this I can't do this. But that was also a good professional experience because I got a lot of um, big stories that I didn't think would be like national stories and then like the whole stuff with CNN. So that was very cool. And then I went to Baltimore, which I initially was like, I just really want to go home. I want to go to DC, but there was nothing open at the time. So I ended up going to Baltimore, which wasn't horrible because I was still able to live with my parents, save money and, be close. and just yeah. commute. Um. And that was when the Freddie Gray stuff happened. Yeah. And, and, and I will say, blew up. and honestly, like, and I've had this conversation with my husband who I was dating at the time. Like I wasn't acutely aware of the things that are so at the forefront right now of just like the social consciousness of the country. Mm -hmm. And I, I say that because, um, my father's from the Philippines. I wasn't raised by an African-American man. So there were things that were talked about in my family growing up, but it wasn't the lived experience of so many people who look like me in a lot of these urban cities. So that was the first like wake up call that I had when I was covering Freddie Gray, because right before Freddie Gray, Eric Garner mm -hmm. um, had happened in New York. Right. And same with the kid in St. Louis. And so I like, that was when it kind of clicked and I was like, Oh shit. And, you know, I'm dating this guy who could easily, you know, that could be him. him. And so yeah. then I start thinking about these things and it, so it, it kind of helped me in terms of like talking to people for the stories that were happening with Freddie Gray. And then flash forward to like, the, so when Freddie Gray got arrested, it was like a week before the actual riots. And so I covered the story every day. Uh, and so I had, it. Yeah. leading up to it. And so I like, I interviewed his family, like his friends, like witnesses, all this stuff. And then like covered the protest. And then when everything popped off, I will say the residents were very upset when like the Philadelphia and the New York stations and the DC stations came into Baltimore and the networks came into Baltimore because they're like, you're only here. I remember this one kid, Kwame Rose, he said, you're only here for the black riots. That's what he said to Geraldo Rivera. You're wow. not here to cover the actual issue. And Kwame is actually, um, I know him personally. So that's why I know this because I also saw the video on YouTube as well. But 
that was the perception of a lot of the residents here. And so when the riots were happening, I remember I got maced unintentionally by police During twice. It. Wow. On live television. Um, and I had people who were rioting coming up to me like, are you okay? Here's some milk. And like it was like, you. yeah, right. And I was like, I was like, thank you. But at the same time, like, why are you doing this? Like, I get why you're, you know, it was like, it was a whole lot of just emotional stuff because I'm thinking like, thanks. I appreciate the fact that you're like concerned about me, but at the same time, like I'm concerned about you and you know, what you're doing is also criminal, but I also understand that you feel like this is a last resort because people that feel unheard, like they, they feel like their only option is to do that type of stuff. Right. And so that whole situation prepared me for flash forward to five years later everything that, um, you know, happened last year. Right. With Black Lives Matter and, and the and riots well, just and everything happened everything. with George Floyd. Yeah. Right. And how it wasn't just isolated to Minneapolis and it was happening all across the country. Right. It was a movement. It, it's really fascinating, Christy, because I mean, in that story alone, you bring up so many interesting things, but number one, you are sort of the only voice who's in the middle of all of this as an outside observer, but it sounds like you do get close to people and you have your own inherent thoughts and things along those lines. When you were doing a story like that, is it so difficult to report in an unbiased, in air quotes, manner? How do you really do that and look at a story and make it objective or not have your own spin on it. You know what I mean? I think there's so many yeah. things that, that, that you could ask that about. Right. And I, I know, I know some people just because like, depending upon the story that I'm covering, like I'm constantly posting on Twitter. So they would think, Oh, you're just like left wing propaganda media or whatever. But what I try to do is I, you know, going back to Alabama is finding common ground and empathizing with somebody's story. Mm -hmm. I can still tell it unbiasedly, but you have to understand where they're coming from. Their perspective. Yep. Right. And your experience, whether or not it's a shared experience, it's still mm -hmm. your experience. And I'm not going to take that away from you. So whether that is, you know, the pandemic or the protests or even most uh, recently, like last fall, the stuff with Walter Wallace Jr. in West Philadelphia. One of the things that I made sure to put in was that even though the police at that time, you know, they were, it was considered justified. Mm -hmm. A lot of the residents were super upset. And one of the things that this one resident said who I wanted to make sure got included was this is why we're always protesting. People don't understand, you know, where it stems from. People don't understand yeah. why these demonstrations happen. And so this girl who didn't want her face on TV said, but this is why she was like, if this had been somebody else who didn't look like me, he would still be alive. And this is why we're always protesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, but that's a, I mean, that's a valid point. If you know, that's your Absolutely. experience, that's a valid point. And that is something that needs to be incorporated to help other people who may not look like you understand why these social issues continue Mm -hmm. And you do such an amazing job really bringing that to the table. And, you know, even the choice of stories that you cover, I think what would be interesting too for our audience and what I know Lauren and I are interested in, what is your say on the stories that you cover? Do you write your stories and find them? And 
big picture, what is your ultimate goal? You're making such an impact now, reporting and being live. Do you want to grow that impact in other ways? Like, what is your ultimate vision for your career as well? So, um, a lot of the stories I'm assigned to, and I will say, you know, Jill, I work at night. So, the people that work during the day, they get more of the day of stories, whether that's like press conferences or like announcements, whatever. When you're working at night, you kind of have to enterprise, and enterprise means you have to find your own stories. Okay. Mm. So, sometimes, breaking news, which actually not even sometimes a lot of breaking news happens at night. Yeah. Right. Fires, shootings, Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff that happens on my shift. So a lot of times I'll either be at breaking news or I'll be covering or following something that happened during the day that the reporter during the day was not able to get. Right. Or I'll enterprise my own stories. And I will say, working on the night shift, you you enterprise more often than you do during the day. So a story that I actually did just last night was about this chess player in West Philadelphia who is using chess to reach out to teens at risk in his community to get them off the streets, mm-hmm. to teach them critical thinking and strategy in terms of decision-making. It's Which fascinating. Is, it's yeah. a different, you know, it's a different take on stopping the violence. So I mean, not to say that, you know, his is more important than somebody else's because I think like using sports as an outlet is great or using, you know, poetry as an outlet is great. He's using the game and the art of chess. Yeah. And so I did an entire story on him. And for me, like that was great because I was like, I'm spotlighting was doing something great in their community. And it was something that I found on my own, which I troll like Instagram nonstop four stories. Like that's where I get most of my stories. Yeah. So you're hustling all the time doing your own research. I need the tea though on the Instagram. Like I need to know, is there a certain way you have to look? Is there only certain things that you can like promote and push? Like how is that structure for you, for your Instagram? Like how much flexibility do you have and how much of this Christy Aletta persona do you have to always keep up? So it's not necessarily you have to look a certain way on Instagram. Like you do have to have a consistent look when you're on air. Okay. But I mean, Instagram, like I will let people on my work Instagram see like what I'm doing behind the scenes, what I'm doing on air. And, you know, a couple of times like, oh, yeah, I did, I went here over the weekend or I did this or I got to experience whatever. Um, but it's not about like having to look a certain way, but I will say I'm not allowed to like, you know, endorse somebody. I can't say, oh, you know, if you want to know where my sweater's from, like go to Nordstrom. Oh, you can't, like, I can't do that. You can't, you can't be an influencer in that way. Okay. Yeah. So I'm not an influencer because I might have to report on that department store. Right. Do you know what oh. I mean? Um, so I'm not pushing anybody to do anything, but I will say like, because I met Jill through SolidCore, that's part of my daily routine. Like that's literally part of my life. Like I go there to stay in shape. I go there for my mental health. I go there for a gamut of reasons. So for me, like I go to SolidCore and I'm like taking photos at SolidCore. It's not me saying, oh, go to SolidCore. It's me saying, this is where I am. This is my happy place. And I really like, because that's a big part of my life. And that is your life. So let me ask you this, Christy, because I find this so fascinating. Is it, yeah, your outfits, you always look so on point. Like real cute. Like, you know, do you have a stylist and also in your contract, is there something in your contract like you can't dye your hair pink and show up to work the next day? Do you know what I mean? Or it's just sort of an understood thing. Like, do you get supplied with a stylist? How do you pick your clothes? Like, how do you get yeah. put together? Um, so our station is very fortunate that we have a stylist who works with all of the on-air people. 
Okay. And she's amazing. And um, so we'll go, which I hate. I literally hate shopping. I hate going to the mall and I hate buying clothes. But I will suck it up and I will meet her at the mall at KOP. And do it. Okay. And do it. And she's amazing. We have a seamstress who who I will say like can take something from Target and make it look like Armani. High fashion. And that is like the best thing. Cause like a lot of times I'm like, I'm not going to the department store. Like I want to go to, you know, (laughs) somewhere else. Well, cause you're buying these clothes, right? Right. I'm buying them. Yeah. 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 So So I'm doing it. Yeah. So you're like, listen, I need to have some say in this. And so they're great. Both of them are great. And they were wonderful when I was pregnant with my daughter because I, at the time I was like very self-conscious and I didn't want to know I was pregnant. And so I was like, Ruth, I really need help in hiding this. Mm-hmm. And so we would find pieces that could hide like my stomach. Yes. Until you were ready and all of that kind of stuff. And I remember yeah. when you were going through that period for sure. Right. Cause you couldn't, you could totally see at Salicor cause I'm like literally wearing spandex and it's like, you could see this, like the bump. Let me just tell the people this, Did she have no this one. She, well, first of all, no bump until she was like eight months. But besides that, I remember her coming in, swear to God, she had a back brace on, like a belt, like a oh, weightlifter yeah, belt. Oh, remember yeah, like yeah, the yeah. day before yes. you went into labor? This yes. one's doing plank crunches in solid car, I swear to God. I won't even go do a plank crunch Literally in a day, let alone a, right before I'm about a, to give birth. In a belt. I was like, this? No, It was I the belly even. band. You know who gave me belly the belly band? band? Amber. She's one of uh, the solid core clients. Amber Joy. Oh yes. Okay. She gave you the She's like band. amazing. And I was like, I need, I was like, oh my God, I'm swelling. Like my hips are hurting. I don't know what to do. And she's like, oh, here, you can have my belly band. And I was like, okay, thanks. You, I'm telling you, she was rocking like doubles until, until that, but you bring up a really important it. subject. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I need to ask you yeah. about Chrissy because I'm struggling right now and I've been very transparent about this, but in being in big corporate America, having this big time job, being a breadwinner for my family, I'm worried about not worried, but there is some apprehension about getting pregnant because of what that will do to my career or am I ready or what's going to happen? How did you approach that? Because you are in such a public light when you were getting pregnant. Was that something you were nervous about that that could change your job or how was that process for you? Cause I think oh, I'm struggling so big time nervous. with it. Yeah. I was so nervous. And I remember when I got pregnant, it's kind of like, okay, cool. I'm pregnant. Like it wasn't one of those. Oh my God. It was okay. Yeah. Cool. Like this is happening now. How do I hide it? Like, that's what I was thinking because wow. I didn't want opportunities to be taken away from me yes. because even though, first of all, that can't happen because it's illegal. <laughs> and that's yeah. what my agent would always tell me. She was like, Christy, get it together. Like this isn't 1950. You're going to be fine. But in my mind, which I think most women think is like, this is setback and not absolutely, you know, a set up. Yep. I agree. I I appreciate you being so honest. I think a lot of us go through that. that. I think as soon as they find out, it's like, oh, we can't put you on this project or you're not ready for this. And I get it's illegal, but you still think. Oh yeah. So I, oh my God, I was still like, I would do, um, I would work six days a week a lot last Mm -hmm. year or in 2019 when I was pregnant. Um, and my station didn't know, I remember I told one of my mentors who was at the station who now works for ABC news. And I was like, Hey, I need to tell you something. I'm pregnant. And she's like, Oh my God. And she's like, what are you like two months? And I was like, no, I'm seven months. Yeah. And, like, Cause I wasn't showing. Coming. I really yeah. still wasn't showing. And she was like, Oh, you're past you of telling like the managers because 
we need to know so that, you know, you're not like, oh, surprise, I'm going to be out next month. Right. Maternity um, and all that. And so I remember walking into my boss's office and I was like, hey, I'm pregnant. It's not a big deal. I can still do everything that I want. Like, you want me to you're like do. setting it you're up. Like, Here's yeah, my like, belly band. Let's go. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. <laughs> Love it. And, you know, he was more like, oh my God, congratulations. I was like, it's not a big deal. I can still do everything else. I can still travel. And I mean, he was awesome. And he was just like, Chrissy, this is awesome. Like, congratulations. Because I wasn't thinking about like, oh, this is, you know, a great life moment. It was more like, this is kind of a life, you know, situation. Yeah. Um, So that's kind of how that happened. But then I started, I will say, everything went smoothly with like the pregnancy and the Mm -hmm. delivery. And I was off for three months or 14 weeks, actually, for my maternity leave. And as I was coming out of the fog of maternity leave, um, the world shut down. And right. so COVID happened. Before, yeah, before that, my doctor had said, hey, you know, because just so you know, when you get pregnant, you go in for your six-week checkup post-baby, mm-hmm. you have to fill all these forms, not only at your doctor, but at the pediatrician for your child. Pediatrician okay. goes, I think something's wrong with you. If, if whatever your situation isn't working for you, for you, then that's an issue because like the most important thing is like good for you and good for the baby. So right. like, the baby was fine. My husband was fine. I was not. So the pediatrician actually flagged it before my doctor flagged it. I went in for my six week appointment. I filled out the questionnaire that you have to fill out, not knowing that that was for postpartum depression. So I'm like answering honestly. Right. And as my doctor comes. Right. You as should, you should. You should but, like, right. But you know. you're not thinking strategy wise, of course, right. you're being honest. And the doctor comes in and she's like, oh, so um, you have postpartum depression and here's a list of doctors that you should talk to. And I was like, listen, am I cleared to work out? Because that's also the six week appointment. And she was like, yeah. I was like, great. So working out for me is like, so I think I'll be okay. And she was like, okay, well, here's the list anyway. So I work out, the world shuts down and I'm like spiraling. Right. I'm going back to work. I'm leaving my child for the first time. I'm taking on a nanny. And I'm like behind the scenes, I'm like going down a dark hole. Yeah, I'm just getting any, darker and darker. Nobody knew. Nobody, oh my God, knew. nobody knew. Right. Nobody the knew. only person, I mean, my husband knew. Um, but at, and then also because the world was shutting down, I was like, I can't find a therapist. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to talk to somebody over Zoom who I've never met. Right. You want that connection. So I'll, I just like didn't talk to anybody for months. And then one day, because, you know, everyone was like, highly anxious with the pandemic, the restrictions, the closures, Mm. the businesses closing. And then also, you know, the protests that happened in June. I, I remember being out with the photographer that I was assigned to for all of last year. And he's so amazing. And he was like, Hey, because also I spend more time with the photographer during the week than I do with my own husband. Yeah. When I work 10 hours a day, I'm in a car with this person all night long. Yeah. He says to me, he was like, listen, I feel like I can say this to you, but I feel like something's off. And like, you just seem really triggered by things that you normally wouldn't be triggered by. Mm. So then I was like, you know what? My doctor told me in January that postpartum depression and never addressed it. And I think I need to see someone. And he was like, I was going to say that because his wife had had a similar issue Mm -hmm. because he had two kids. 
Yeah. And he was like, I, you know, I didn't know if I could say that, but he's like, I think you have that too. And I was like, yeah, I think I do too. So I, I was like, I think I need to see somebody. And I found someone and I did like zoom, uh, therapy sessions, which worked wonders just being able to talk to somebody and, and compartmentalize a little bit more, but I never, you know, I always wanted to make sure like on air and just at work that everything looked okay. But like, there were times there were like, there was an entire month of May where I would literally come home every night and I would like cry in my closet because I was just depressed and like overwhelmed. And, but it was triggered by the pandemic. And also to your point, I was worried that my child had set me back in my career. Yeah. And having those thoughts, I think is so normal. I was just don't talk about. Yeah. In my, and initially it was like, Oh my God, had I not gotten pregnant, had I not had this baby, maybe I would be doing X instead of what I'm doing right now. Yeah. But you had like working through all of that. I had to, I was able to separate like, no, she has nothing to do with the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Like, right. even though they happen at the same time, like the pandemic and my child are not the same. I'm, this is happening as a result of it. And here's the bright side. The result of that is I get to spend more time than I thought I was going to be able to spend mm-hmm. with my daughter because now she can't go to daycare because there's no daycare open. Right. Yeah. So Chrissy, we have a lot of women who are struggling with mental health and that's, I think it's coming out of the pandemic. I think it's different things that are happening. I think it's the world and what's going on, but what advice would you give to them? And I would say I'm one of those people too, and transitioning to a new job, getting furloughed during a pandemic, just a lot of negative things that have happened that just have piled up. What advice would you give them now that you're starting to come out of it, helping yourself for those women who might be struggling right now with mental health? I mean, I think it's so important to take time for yourself and to make sure that, you know, you as an individual is okay. Because one of the things that I was struggling with was my new role as Christy, the mom. Mm -hmm. And I still needed to check in with like Christy, the woman, Christy as the individual, like, is she okay? Because if I'm not okay, I'm not a good spouse and I'm not a good mom. Mm -hmm. Totally. And that was the hardest thing of like learning how to do that. And then in terms of like, wanting to do all of these life things. Like I still get anxious about, should I have a second kid, blah, 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 blah. But I remember the best advice that my agent told me was, listen, work is work. Like, yeah, it's great. You know, you love your job, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, like your family is the most important thing. And so what do you want out of life? Like, do you want your job, you know, and that's like your baby, or do you want to have a family and still also have like a great career? And I was like, well, I want to do that. And she was Mm -hmm. like, then you can't let your concerns about work dictate the life decisions and the life moments and the life blessings that are going to happen to you. And that was, and that honestly was when I was like, okay, I'm ready to get pregnant. I might go get pregnant tonight. I was going to say, I really love this advice, Christy, or your life experience. And just to sort of circle back to that, you know, your sidekick is now a little bit older and. Oh my God, girl, she grown. She's grown. We can hear her hanging out. Yeah, I love her so much. But, you know, I guess to all the people out there, and I'm really interested in this too, like, does it get better? And, And like, getting better. Like, this is your new norm. Did therapy help? Are you working through it? Like, do you know what I'm saying? Like you were in such that downward spiral, like you said, which I think is so important. So many women go through that and we don't talk about it, but is it like, listen, I have, I'm coming out the other side or I'm looking at it with a different perspective. Like like, has that helped you kind of get that different perspective is what my question is. 
Yeah. I mean, I think talking to somebody really helped. And I'd be honest, like I didn't come out of the other side until January of 2021. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it took, I think, and also like, I know, I know that it takes a whole you know year for your whole body to recover after having like the baby. And so I did start to feel more like myself around Thanksgiving of last year, but then like physically, but then as like emotionally, like mentally, I was like, mm-hmm. oh, okay. I'm like, I'm in a better place. Like January came out. Oh, I'm, I'm, in, yeah. I'm happy. Like I can, I can do this. Um, but it doesn't happen overnight. And, um, I think that's important to recognize. So important to recognize. And Christy, we cannot thank you enough. Oh. Number one, we're riveted. Like, I think you should Christy, win an Emmy just, for this interview. You're Number just one. speaking to me in so many <laughs> no, different ways. Truly. Oh. And you really are our go-to girl for so many reasons, Christy. I mean, I think again, thank you for the transparency and getting behind the scenes and just really having these conversations that a lot of us just talk about behind closed doors or, you know, that kind People of thing. People don't talk about postpartum depression though. They, they don't. don't. They don't. They don't at all. It's and that was one of the reasons why I was, I was like, okay, I don't, you know, when I felt comfortable being vocal about it, I was like, okay, I'm ready to, you know, talk about my experience, but it was really hard. I was, and my husband, who's like a, an angel, you know, was very supportive, but I mean, there were times where I was just like, I'm going through this alone. And I just am like in a very dark Yeah. And Christy, before we close up, because I know we could talk to you for hours, how did you communicate with your husband what you needed or what the support was like how how was that process for you and that communication with him because there's some days where my anxiety is so bad that I'm in a corner by myself and I'm like I can't explain to you how to help but there's just those tough times like what was that process like for you guys as a couple well I think because he's a really good listener and he's very patient it was I would say a little bit easier to he would always like fall back you know he would let me like have my moment. So if I needed to be isolated or I needed to like just have the meltdown that he was having, Mm -hmm. it was, okay, you're going to have your space and that's fine because that's his personality, which is like amazing. Um, But then there were other times where I would just tell him like, I don't feel like myself. I feel, you know, emotional. I feel resentful. You know, I feel like I'm suffocating in this lockdown and like, I'm not doing the things that I used to be able to do before you know, the pandemic and before I had the baby and I'm feeling like they're synonymous, even Mm -hmm. though they're not. Not, Yeah. And, you know, he was just like, listen, it's okay. Like I'm here to listen because he doesn't, you know, like these are my feelings. I'm the one that carried the baby. So I have all the hormones going to me. He's not going to be able to understand that. Yeah. But all he did was like, listen to me. And that was probably the best thing that happened Mm -hmm. because at least I got to air it out. At the right, time you before I started it. seeing somebody. Yeah. 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 Right. And yep. you were communicating about right. it. Christy, we truly cannot thank you enough. I think this interview was so amazing, amazing so powerful. Um, here's our last question that we ask every single person we have on the Go To Girls podcast. Who right now in your life is your go-to girl? Anyone under the sun, but who is the person you go to who's like just it for you? I mean, it could be oh, your cleaner right so now. It could many. be a lot of different people. You know what I mean? And it sounds, even from your stories, Christine, about your life, it sounds like you have so many amazing mentors and wonderful people in your life. And I think that says so much about you, but who is your ultimate go-to girl? I mean, I would always say my mom, but she's got a lot going on. So I would probably say, um, 
Well, can there be more than one? A hundred percent. Name yeah. them all, sis. Okay. Well, I, I will say that it's very cathartic to come in and, you know, Nick's not a girl. <laughs> Nick Swanson is like so easy to shout out to Nick. I do. Nick Swanson is our manager at Solid Core. Oh, I was like, who's He's, Nick Swanson? I call him, I get him I, in my life. I call him my baby spicy pickle. He is just a wonderful human being. Christy, I 100% <laughs> He's hear you on that. Like I talked to him about baby all these pickle. things. Yes. Um, and just, I think like all of the coaches at Solid Core, like you, Noel and Kay, like it's so easy to be like, oh my God, girl, there's other shutdown or like there's other restrictions or like, oh my God, it's a good like, crew. daughter, it's a good crew. what is happening right now? Well, you're one of and us. Then, it's like the whole thing, you know what I mean? You're family. <laughs> so it's like, yes, it's easy. So it's really nice to do that. And then I would probably just say like my best friend, Erica, who's in Atlanta, she is like a problem solver. So if I have like any issue, I'm just like, oh my God. And I call her Tweety and I'm like, because we look the same. They're like, Tweety, da, 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 da. And she's like, okay, I'll take care of it. She's yeah. like a problem. Like it, honestly, she's my goal. Like that's like what I want to do. I want to be able to be calm mm-hmm. under pressure mm-hmm. in my real life versus work. Because I the joke is always that I function best under duress when I'm at my job. Yep. But in real life, I'm like a train wreck. I'm like, oh my God, what's happening? Like, I'm having anxiety. I'm having a meltdown on the corner of 22nd and Market. Yeah. <laughs> like, look away. Everyone look away. No, but I love that, Christy, because again, you look so, you're a certain persona on camera, which is you, but it's so important to let people know I have all of this other stuff going on too. Like, it's so easy to see the highlight reel. And I love that you yeah. are just full-blown, real, amazing Christy Aletto, we cannot thank you enough. Let the people know how to find you, where to follow you. Give them all that good stuff before we close it out. Okay. Yeah. So I'm on TikTok, which Christy like, made TikTok. fun of me about. She's like, you can't believe you're on TikTok. Why wouldn't I be on TikTok? I'm on TikTok at Aletto underscore Stiletto. Ooh, and love it. I'm on the gram, Christy underscore Aletto. Yes. And I'm on Twitter at Christy underscore Aletto. Love it. Missing anything? I was on Snapchat, but I kind of feel like I'm over that. I am on Facebook, but begrudgingly. Yeah, I mean these are a lot of platforms. And when can we see you on? (laughs) Take a little bit of time. (laughs) Um, So normally, my friend, I appear on PHL 17 at 10 11, and then I also anchor. So um, that could be like any time. I mostly fill in. So. I love it. Wait, I Chrissy, can you just sign? You. Can you do a sign off real quick with like your radio with your like anger Ooh, voice? Putting her on the spot. I know, I'm so on the spot. Um, right. yeah. I just need to hear it. I need to hear it. In Center City, Chrissy Aletto, Channel Six Action News. Just yes! yes, yes. Oh my god, that was amazing. I love it, girl. You're, you're a star. our go-to girl, Chrissy. Thank you, you so much. Are our go-to no, girl. Thanks. This is so fun. Amazing. We had the best time. <laughs> Follow Christy on all the platforms. We will post that on the episode recap as well. But also, we need to put our voice on. Follow the Go-To Girls podcast. This is Lauren and Jill good. signing off. <laughs> Have a magical day, everyone. It didn't sound as good. Subscribe. I love that. We love you guys. Um, I know you're going to show Christy so much freaking love. We cannot wait for this episode to air. And Christy, we're going to have to have you on again, girl. It's just happening. So it is what it. it is. I'm down All for right. it. Love you so much, guys. Okay. Review. Christy, we will see you soon. You are the best. And I'll see you at Solid Core probably like tomorrow. Yeah, probably. You won't be seeing me there, Christy. I don't <laughs> oh need your body pass. I'll just pass <laughs> Oh my God. All right. Love you, girl. We will talk to you Bye. soon. Thanks everyone Bye. for listening. Bye. Bye. Thanks.